Hello, this is Coach Tim Campsell, and I'm your host for Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners and hearing about their journey to building their business. And because we know that success is not something that we do in isolation, we're taking out some time to recognize and appreciate the folks who have helped us along our journey. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest at one point sold everything and moved his wife and two kids into RV living. I'm going to want to learn a little bit more about that. Uh, he loves any kind of fishing, whether that be in a, out of a creek, a river, a pond, uh, a lake, an ocean. And check this out. He uh, landed a six foot, seven inch bull shark at one point in time. So I'm going to ask him about that too. And he is most proud of his trust in uh, Jesus. So that is awesome. I want to hear about that a little bit more. It is my pleasure to welcome Kelly to the show today. Hello, Kelly. Hey, Tim. Well, that was quite an introduction. And uh, between our back and forth and everything, you've done your homework. So it's it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to jump right in and talk about business and life with you and, and uh, anyone that's listening. Fantastic. Well, let's start with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born, where you live, your hobbies, and definitely you've got to tell us about that shark. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So personally, I don't know how, how deep you want me to go, but I was born here in Indiana, in Wabash, Indiana. And for those folks that aren't from the state, or maybe even Indiana that don't know, Wabash claims to be the first electrically lit city in the world. Oh. Quite a claim. Yes. <laughs> so, I think what they did was they put a couple flood lamps on top of the courthouse and it was a small city. <laughs> but hey, we don't need to go into the detail. Um, I didn't live there long. That's why my parents were high school sweethearts and uh, and grew up there. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm the military brat uh, version of a coach's son in the state of Indiana. So, <laughs> uh, you know, for anybody that knows anything about Indiana basketball, it's, it's next to, next uh, to, to, uh, to the big guy upstairs. And sometimes in parallel, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a religion here. Um, but, you know, mostly bounced around Indiana and Indianapolis uh, for a short stint um, and uh, Portage and Hobart in Northwest Indiana. So claimed downtown Chicago, more of of kind of my my big city downtown and then went to high school actually moved in high school to greensburg indiana all great places picked up really great lessons learned and all on all great places and all those places and uh, uh for a short stint when i was in pre-k i lived in dc maryland area the mason dixon line for all you east coasters <laughs> and um for any basketball junkies out there it was a leap of faith my dad took so i've kind of inherited some of that honestly but he um, he worked for a school, was assistant basketball coach at DeMatha, which before AAU basketball was kind of the the place for basketball, probably in the U.S. Morgan Wooten's arguably the, the greatest high school coach of all time. And he had the good fortune of being assistant coach with Mike Bray, who went on to Duke and is now the University of Notre Dame basketball coach. So um, lived out there for a little bit, but mostly grew up uh, in the gym and, you know, have two sisters. Uh, one uh, got her PhD in African-American history, and she's a professor up in Minnesota and at a small private school up there. And then my other sister was a guidance counselor and uh, now is a homemaker with four little kids. And um, their family lives in Peoria, Illinois. I live in and reside in Carmel, Indiana, suburb of Indianapolis, for those that don't know. 
and um, love it here. And my wife and I have been married this month, 13 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I owe her a big gift every year. It's quite a quite an endeavor living with an entrepreneur. So <laughs> um, <laughs> she always says, Kelly, you go out and play entrepreneur and CEO and I'm raising four future CEOs. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife, Carla, is amazing. Um, she always says that, you know, I always say that she's my number one investor and yeah, and um, in, in all aspects and partner and friend and she's great. And um, she moved here with $100 in her pocket from Brazil, South America. Oh, wow. And put herself through college and always said she was going to go to America and amazing success story on her own. And and um, and then my uh, four children are Mika, 11, Cecilia, 9, Agnes uh, is 6, and Zeke is 5. So three girls and a little man. Actually, he's not a little man. He's a big man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit about me and and my uh, and my background and my family i've uh, i've learned so i have a couple of step boys as well three but my youngest um corrected me a little while ago that he's no longer our little guy so yeah <laughs> we, gotta, we have to be careful with the way we refer to the <laughs> <I've> all right <laughs> <laughs> all right so you've got to tell me about this um uh rv living and uh and the shark <laughs> I'm happy to share. Some people are, if, if it, whoever's listening, to this is probably like, that's probably the thing that sticks is going to stick in people's mind the most. <laughs> why would you move into an RV with two kids? You know, I mean, I could tell you some of the reactions from my family and friends when I said I'm selling everything. You know, I'm 30. Let's see at the time I would have been about 33. Mm. So in 34 and my kids were three and a half and, you know, three and three and one and a half. Wow. And, you know, it's it's interesting, Tim, because and we'll get into this later, probably in the conversation. But I had a transformation in my faith and that really catapulted me in my business endeavors. Mm. And um, as a result, led me into selling my business. And once you go work for the company, you sell your company to you see you see business on complete both sides of the spectrum, you know, building it from scratch, growing it and then working for a, a large company. Mm. And there's pros and cons to all of that. But the point of this, this part of the story is, is I knew that it might not work out and it actually changed for reasons I didn't, I didn't expect, but either way, I told my wife, I said, Hey, if this doesn't work out, what if we just sold everything and moved to an, moved into an RV and for a year, half a year. And, uh, and just enjoy time before our kids are in a bunch of events and in school. Yeah. And you don't really get that opportunity because most people wait till you retire. Right. Hopefully you're in good health and can do it at that time. <laughs> and, um, you know, my wife said, well, I'm at home with the kids anyways. I don't care. Eight months later, I was exiting uh, Herf Jones, which was the company we could talk about a little bit. But I was exiting Herf Jones and I, I came home and I said, how about that RV trip? Wow. A month and a half later, the home was for sale. Bought an RV, went to the boat sport and travel show and walked about 100 of them and figured out what was best for us. And I can tell you it was a trip of a lifetime, um, you know, because a lot of people would be like, I don't understand how you can go from city to city. And I'll be like, well, what's the difference if you wake up on a Monday as a as a as a as a mom or a Wednesday and the kids go to play in the backyard or in the basement, I could just choose what beach they're going to be on that next day or right. <laughs> what state park we're going to be in. You know? yeah. I was visiting a friend. We were passing through Alabama and um, 
I was I was visiting a, a buddy from high school. It was one year behind me. We played basketball together, and his cousin happened to be passing through. We intersected at the same time. Mm. Who was also in his grade, and I know her. Went to the same high school. And for breakfast, we got up the next day. We're having fun the night before for breakfast. My wife and I were debating: Do we want to go up and see, um, you know, see a part of Alabama like the University of Alabama? Do we want to go into Mississippi and see where Elvis was born? And we were debating this <laughs> and they're over there eating their hash browns and their eggs going, are you guys talking about what state you want to go to right now? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, I don't even understand this. You right. know, the day before they were like, I don't know how you could do this. We showed them our house, you yeah. know, and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then they're, they're looking at each other. Like, can we do this with our kids? No way. The next morning they're listening to us. They're like, man, that's pretty cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was stuff like that, that you just, that's awesome. You got to visit friends and family. We did an oyster roast in North Carolina with my cousins. I call them my kinfolk, you know, where my grandmother was raised on my mom's yeah. side. And yeah. We just really had, we were able to be present to people with turning off the technology and, you know, really just enjoy the finer things of life. And that's part and parcel. Why we took the trip was just a stun plug and get away and yeah. i know that time and money and opportunity has you have to have good fortune for that to happen too not just you just can't doesn't just wasn't just given to me for sure the opportunity but uh because we had the opportunity and uh, and the good fortune we uh we really wanted to be present to our children and enjoy each other so we did that for four to five months okay wonderful yeah. no yeah. i i'm sure that uh just based on what you've shared so far there's got to be a funny story in there that your family likes to tell about you is there one you'd be willing to share with us today? Sure. About in the RV or just in or general? Just in oh, general, yeah. Oh, yeah. my. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, uh, you know, we got to be careful. Everything's on social media these days. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of clients in higher ed. They might be questioning me. Now. I just, I, you know, as a Christian man serving Christian clients, I have to think about this. <laughs> Don't worry. But... This this video will go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say this, uh, you know, I'll give you a little bit of person personality and flavor of my youth, which some of this I've had to take to the altar. But, you know, I was always really good at uh, pranks. And uh, my parents, they always joke around because teachers and everybody, I will, I'm not bragging. I got along with everybody. It was a God-given gift of mine to, to get along with people and build teams, et cetera. But, you know, sometimes I would use that superpower for, for funny little things, funny little pranks. And I text my sisters today saying, hey, what if he, what if they want to know something about me personally? Like, what would you say? And my one sister said, well, do you remember that time you took me snipe hunting? And I'm like, what? And then I had to think about it. <laughs> so I found in the Encyclopedia Britannica back in the day, right, yeah. uh, that there's this bird called a snipe. And okay. in rural towns, maybe some other people heard of this, you, you get your younger siblings or friends or relatives to be convinced that you can catch a snipe at night in a bag <laughs> so i get pillowcases and i take my sister out and some of her friends and drop them off in the woods and leave <laughs> for like 30 minutes so i mean my no. sister wanted me to tell wanted me to bring that up if i wanted to humanize a little bit of my past. and awesome. then a funny the story that they like to tell about me which i maybe i make maybe i can say this now i don't know if the superintendent officially knows that i'm involved but uh greensburg where my dad was a head coach and uh and uh, dean of students for a long time he was my head basketball coach um there was a senior prank my senior year that there wasn't one for about 20 years 
and all of us got tired of it not happening. And uh, our, our we I kind of pulled maybe I pulled together a committee. Maybe I was involved. <laughs> in the team. Uh, you could maybe do some research or call around, but let's just say that um, I'll fast forward. We we wanted to make sure that we didn't ruin the school if we could help it, and nothing died. Those were our two requirements. <laughs> and um, we I like that if we could help it. <laughs> and uh that's funny and then we ended up um we ended up knowing where the cameras were oh my gosh the superintendent of being my first customer my first business if he hears this and doesn't know after that's a basketball game but uh, i go to so we ended up getting two 70 pound pigs um up over the roof and uh into the courtyard because i knew where there were no cameras and uh <laughs> I'm making myself vulnerable here. Wow, that is and, awesome. Uh, and greased them up, and, and greased them up, and um, words trickulated over time. I I was out literally not not long ago. I was standing outside after church service in Greensburg. Let's call it four or five months ago. And the guy who was a facilities guy at the time, not the number one guy, came up to me and said, "Hey, I've always wanted to talk to you about those pigs. I got called in because our head maintenance guy was frustrated." <laughs> he's trying to grab these things and they're squealing and he can't get a hold of them because they're greased <laughs> and i've always thought kelly it's the funniest thing and to know that you were kind of the, the ringleader of it i just think it, <laughs> your dad didn't know and it was so funny and because uh, my dad would have at the time if i would got caught with sure. furious. Yeah. <laughs> and um and uh to shorten it up you know he said uh i've handled pigs so i knew how to grab them by the hooves and get them out of there and i Every time anybody brings that story up, I not stop <laughs> laughing to this day. So that I'm, I'm uh, 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 there's probably other things I did, but those, <laughs> a couple of my more honorary moments maybe that I don't normally share. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, tell us how the business came about and you know, at what time did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Ooh, good question. Two good, two different questions, I guess. Um, you know, uh, so the business I'm in now is Sun Funded, which we'll which we'll jump into, which is uh, it's it's essentially what we call solar as a service, where we I'll kind of there's a lot of moving pieces to it, and you know maybe for those in layman terms that don't know the solar side, there's different ways to finance solar and adopt solar, and uh, we exclusively serve schools, and we bring in the capital and construction so schools don't have to lay out any money or incur any debt, and then it's a true service agreement where we take care of everything going forward. So that's the business I'm in now. But before I started my education technology business or the custom art business where I got involved with a, a buddy and an artist and a friend and, and, and joined as a partner and scaled it, I, I would say that what really got me probably believing I could do my own business was a combination of my parents, hmm. both educators and public education. So believe it or not, how do how does a pretty stable and conservative environment like public public education wear off on an entrepreneur? But um, my dad was a risk taker. Like I said, he, you know, kind of went out to, to math and faith and yeah. applied and they thought he was nuts and the job opened up and he got it. Um, but my mom would always read the guidepost. I don't know if you know anything about the guidepost mm -hmm. it's a little magazine that tells essentially like short God stories and moments. Okay. And she would always pour into me and convince me that I could do anything I put my mind to. And if I had to honestly attribute it to, to maybe one particular moment or thing, I, it probably would be my parents' confidence and, and love and foundation poured into me 
to to have the belief system mm. in myself. Yeah. And I also think I had to have some God-given abilities because any sales contest, whether it's elementary, junior high, or high school, I wouldn't just win. I'd want to like beat the entire athletic program combined. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there was a little bit of that too. Um, and then my business now, you know, Tim, I felt inspired to want to make a difference. I know that sounds a little, a little bit cliche and corny, but um, I've had a business where I've scaled and exited and, you know, made pretty good money at, at a young age. And then I've had a business where I've lost money and failed, mm -hmm. um, even though I've scaled it nationally to almost every state in the country, which I can get into. Um, so I've, I've learned a lot of great lessons and I wanted to take my time, talent and treasure and just, I've seen how complex and political and financially challenged school business can be. Mm. And I thought, man, if I could just, if I could just in my little piece of the pie, make a difference, yeah. I'd love to, to do good while doing well. And, um, I just thought, well, let's look at what opportunities there are. I looked at a workout on a business and a tech opportunity, and I didn't want to do that again. And somebody started talking about how there's tax credits available for schools and schools have adopted solar East and West coast, but it's underserved and it's, it's a hard business to crack. And mm. that made me think there's an opportunity. Yeah. Learn about solar. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit more about the name. It, it's, uh, it's very unique and, and uh, I, I, there's gotta be a story behind it because it, it makes a ton of sense when I, you know, when I hear it out loud. So yeah, sun funded. Yeah, yeah, sun funded. So we were my my business partner Patrick Poor and I were bantering back and forth. Uh, let's see, we had we had we had gone, we had gravitated from the living room in the garage, literally, to spending some times in the Carmel Library. <laughs> One of my only times in the library, maybe. which is a very amazing building, by the way. It is. It's it not is. like what everyone's thinking when they hear that he was working out of a library. Yeah, no, you've got <laughs> you got like collaborative entrepreneurial spaces and other things, you know. So um so it was great. And uh we've had some opportunities from some others that want us to get involved with city and town deals and everything else. And we just kept gravitating back to my business partners founded a business in education, which he got out after a few years and it scaled up to about it was fleet management and bus tracking, Sonovia. And it sold an upstream provider for about 50 million eventually. And so he's been involved in the tech, the tech arm of that. And as a founder, and the more I started talking to him about my mission and, and vision for wanting to make a difference in schools again, and he, that really resonated with him and he wanted the same. So we finally just said, all right, well, if we're going to focus on schools with solar, what are some business options for names? And we went through hundreds of names <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of stuff with green and clean and all these other things. And of course we have sun in ours, yeah. but if the money's already there for a school and it's exclusively education, which is why the ED is capitalized, you know, um, that's, that's just kind of how it morphed into. And the sun is forecasted to be around for, for those of you who didn't know, and my data junkies, the sun is forecasted to be around for billions of years. And it's free. It's free. You know, now the panels aren't free. You know, somebody's got to pay for them. But you know, with the sun being around for billions of more years, and um, and uh, you know, uh, the money already being there for us for qualified qualified schools, you know, and we only serve education. That's where Sun Funded was born. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So um, let's talk about somebody who inspired you or pushed you 
that you could do it even though maybe you thought that you couldn't and the impact that that person had on you. Mm. In this business or in any business? Any business, yeah. Ooh. I've had, I've been blessed with so many amazing mentors and friends. Um, man, blessed him. I could, I could rattle off a bunch of names at different times that God's put in my path. Um, I always, I, I, I know this question is hard because people, you know, generally don't want to just name one person. So it's okay. a little intentional, right. To kind of put you on the spot yeah. later on, I'm going to ask you to share about other people. So you're not really only right. one person. Well, out. you know, I will say that there there's, there's a, there's a pivotal time in the business. And I don't know if this is the exact framework of your, of your question, but in some of the stuff I knew we'd be talking about, I did, I did give this a little thought. And there's a gentleman by the name of Don Kent that came into my life. And Don is a very uh, private and behind the scenes type of operator. So even the fact that I mentioned his name, he might be embarrassed about. And if Don's listening, uh, you know, I, whether we haven't talked in a while, but I have tons of admir admiration for Don. Um, when I was contemplating to sell a business that I had started that, that started to take off or to stay in it, um, he had done some uh, some venture work, you know, white white glove service where he would get involved as an operator. So he's managed thousands of people, uh, been involved in multiple transactions. And he kind of came along to help at a time when he said, I don't even have to have any money and helped me helped basically advise me through a transaction that I otherwise would have been unequipped for. Wow. And, and maybe, maybe not had the right people at the right time in an ideal moment. And there was lots of prayer around that, not just by myself, but others around me. So again, I could go on and on on the spiritual side and on the personal side. But I think from a purely business perspective, Don helped advise and coach and, and negotiate the deal with me. And, um, and uh, on uh, December 31st, 2012, uh, took my parents in a limo to church because they gave me 20 grand to start my business and they didn't have hardly any, that was, they didn't have a lot of money to their name because yeah. they're teachers and that was a lot of money. Yeah. And um, took them in a limo. I was going to take them out to eat and, and uh, stopped by Don's house, met his wife for the first time and, and uh, left him a little friendly, friendly new year's present and, uh, <laughs> and uh, beyond his expectations. And um and uh was forever grateful in the way that he impacted and to some degree changed my life. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh and then took care of my parents' house and some other things. And uh yeah, I was really fortunate to have a person like Don Ken in my life and uh the blessings that came yeah. uh, from from that relationship. Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I've been I've been delaying long enough. I just need to hear about the shark. <laughs> uh, so um Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm on this, I'm doing this art business and I'm in Gulf Shores, Alabama with our first client. First off art business, what in the world, Gulf Shores, Alabama. <laughs> this behind me shows you, you send in a picture, we convert it to paint by number. And then that's the finished product. That's cool. So my business development guy and I are talking about fishing and he says, Oh, I love to fish. I don't fish enough, but I'd love to go deep sea fishing. And I said, I would love to go deep sea fishing. I said, I tell you what, you get a deal done, get some revenue coming in the door. When we're on a business trip together, I'll take you fishing. He gets a first client in Gulf Shores, Alabama. 
<laughs> we're at this licensed partner where they do like, you know, wines, maybe wine and canvas for those in Indy or others around the country where you go drink wine and paint. A lot of these people wanted personalized art of their kids or of a dog or whatever. So they did deals with us, licensing deals with us. And we're at this paint and sip. And I see that there's a marina nearby and I ask about it. So we go down to the marina and I said, hey, I want to go catch a shark. <laughs> and uh, they're like, okay. And I'm like, I don't want just a charter captain who tells me they're going to they're going to throw a line out and catch a shark. I want a shark guy. And she goes, that'd be T-Roy. <laughs> and I said, his name's T-Roy? Like, is that his, like his full name? She's like, I just know him as T-Roy. And I said, oh, this is, this is my guy. So we end up. We end up, he, she gets T-Roy on the phone. She starts talking about it. I was like saying something. I said, can I talk to him? He gets on there. And I said, T-Roy goes, yeah, this T, this, and his, I'm not going to do the accent. He goes, yeah, this T-Roy. And I said, T-Roy, I go, I just want to target shark. And he goes, I'm your guy. Meet me here at four o'clock. We didn't talk price. I didn't know what I was getting into. This guy has a John boat. Tim, have you ever been in an ocean in a John boat? Uh-uh. We're in a John boat. And... I mean, it's a skiff for a flat bottom for people that know the technicalities, but we're basically in a John boat. His equipment is like duct tape. He's got this hook. <laughs> He's got this hook that's like this. And I mean, you get on this boat and you're, you, you, do I need a tetanus shot or do I need to get excited? You know, and Jesse and I sit down on this boat. We go out and I said, T-Roy, what's going to happen if we catch a big shark? And he says, He's fixing to get greased. <laughs> his eyes he's about 150 pounds this guy's 150 pounds soaking wet his eyes light up like this and i go good god i don't know what that means but i am excited for this <laughs> and we he throws out this line on the bottom he by the way he has two buckets with hand drilled holes in them of of bait cut up bait and and he throws it in there because he's chumming the water and then he throws out this 100-pound line on the bottom, uh -huh. dead fish, and he throws a big one on the top of the water, 50-pound test with this balloon-type thing. And uh, and I said, T-Roy, what happens if that balloon goes down? He goes, just hold on. Balloon goes down. <laughs> he says, hold on, boys. He starts jerking it like this. And then the fish just starts going, Zzz. he says, hold the pole, hold the pole. I said, Jesse. You got the deal. You hold the pole. And he says, hang on. And I don't know. I mean, we're like, hang on. He starts the motor up. And we're going at full speed. Well, it felt like full speed. I mean, we're going yeah. probably 20, 30 mile an hour. Yeah. And we're catching up and we're running side by side with this shark we can't see. <laughs> I'll fast forward the story. We're an hour and a half in and haven't seen the shark jesse and i are alternating back and forth because we're 50 pound tests and this thing is working us the dolphin cruises they're keeping their distance 200 yards but everybody's on the one side of the boat and they're all watching us like these bunch of yahoos from indiana just doing <laughs> figure eights out in the middle of the ocean it's turned nighttime almost nighttime and we finally are starting to see this fish and it comes up and it comes under the boat and water magnifies things. Mm. I thought this thing was 12, its head. I said, are we cutting the, what are we, are we cutting the line? And he said, nope, hang on. We finally get this fish in about two hours and 45 minutes, three hours later. Oh my goodness. 
weigh it. It's about 300 pounds. I'm sorry, we don't weigh it. We estimate the weight. We measure it and estimate the weight at just under 300 pounds, about 300 pounds. It's six foot seven inches. Wow. And this thing was awesome. <laughs> and I've been bragging about it. <laughs> I bet. T-Roy, T-Roy we, when we caught it, said, T-Roy, he's been greased. He goes, oh, he's done been greased. <laughs> it was the greatest fishing episode and adventure. And I've been in your home country of Canada, up there roughing it and living off the wild. And I've done a bunch of other things, you know. This was the most wild and fun fishing adventure I've ever been on. That is awesome. All right. Well, let's that let's shift gears back to business. What's been your uh, biggest learning as a business owner over the years? Ooh. Two or three things. Um, and I could go, I got a list of, I got a long list because I've done multiple endeavors, but <laughs> um, don't get, don't get caught in your own echo chamber. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, and I would say that's applicable to corporate America, to early stage ventures, to anything, you know, I think it's really easy for either protection of an idea or position all the way to, man, it just feels right. Mm. Um, and I think going with your gut is critical, but I think that often is typically more well-informed than people fully appreciate for, for seasoned professionals. So I think seeking counsel and seeking advice to to learn in areas where you don't know and i'm speaking from a guy now building products and businesses from scratch has really helped me save a lot of time and money i don't want to say cut corners but i want to say maybe go around turn four faster right (laughs) uh you know i mean come on but uh but um you know so i would say don't get caught in your own echo echo chamber so you know uh and then i would say uh be open and be open and vulnerable Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean this as a, a negative thing towards, cause I'm on the cusp of like, what generation am I in? Right. I can relate to the young trendy crowd wearing the Jordans. I still have some <laughs> I can relate to the old, the older, I, I'm getting more gray hairs too. Right. So kind of right in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that, I think that it's important to know a lot of folks, a lot of folks, when they're thinking about, you know, um, starting up something, you know, from starting up something from, from scratch, uh, they, they really talk about being vulnerable. And a lot of people interpret that as this touchy, feel good, all inclusive play. And there's an element of that that I think is great. I think there's a cultural shift to where that's maybe more of a hot button and necessary now than before. Right. But I also think that, you know, you really have to think about that word vulnerability and transparency as a way to show yourself in a humble manner that gives other people the space and freedom to be good at who they are and let their skills shine. Mm. I think a lot of times you hear people leave jobs. What's the percentage, Tim, you know, it as a business coach, 70, 80% of people hate their jobs. Right. And I think the reason for that is, is because people aren't given the space or put in the right position to be successful. Yeah. So I think I try to be a, a good, a good blend of a servant leader and somebody who's, you know, somebody who's open myself and admits my mistakes first. Yeah. And that lets other people build confidence and, and kind of share their things. And then, you know, just in general with early stage stuff or any people that cares about that or a corporation rolling out new products, I think test it quickly. Mm. You don't need to have everything right. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about if there's everything, if there's something's wrong, test it quickly and do it on a small scale, but test it, yeah. get it out into the market. Uh, don't go too far too fast but don't do a paralysis by analysis. There's only so many surveys and 
get. You've got to work it all the way through until you can figure it out. And that takes iteration and trial and error. Absolutely. Yeah. Kelly, if there was, this is where I'm coming back to my question from earlier. If there were, um, if I asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there for you in helping with your growth, the growth, who are those three people and how they help you? Hmm. Well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start in a place that, you know, I hope that if this isn't maybe everybody's exact same belief that they can at least respect and hear how it's, how it's been received and important to me. Um, because I have to share it. If not, I would be, I would be going back on some things I've already been promised and, and promised back. Um, but I believe that Jesus Christ has, uh, truly, um, truly made a difference in my professional journey. Mm. I have countless examples that's an hour or two long full testimony if you you or others ever care to hear it but i have plenty of examples where uh and full disclosure i was uh that was not the way i thought and operated and shared okay years ago uh, i was down and out and pretty much bankrupt and i had a raw conversation with god i had gone through a church retreat weekend i had started to kind of come back into this faith uh but i wasn't really fully didn't really fully know exactly what it meant, how it applied to business and other things. And yeah. I had a conversation with God on whether I should go back into corporate America and make a steady pay, a steady paycheck with a secure job, or <laughs> if I should um, kind of keep plowing through a business I was ready to, to, to file bankruptcy on. And uh, man, I could tell you multiple people he put in my path, a strong uh, voice that I heard, at least through my heart. Dr. White was the first one to really give me a chance, Eugene White from Indianapolis Public Schools mm. on a pilot. And uh, so he'd be in the mix. And um, I think it's because of because of Jesus Christ, I was able to stay the course and actually change into a different business yeah. and sell that company successfully in a year and 14 months and, uh, you know, become a become a, you know, a well-to-do person at 31 years of age. And um, I would not have been able to to do that if it wasn't for Jesus. And a funny story, I always told my parents, 20 years before then, I'll never go into education. <laughs> no money in it. I can't make a difference. It's too slow. Yeah. And my greatest success, this is how Jesus laughs after I gave my business up to Christ and let him lead me down the path. He, um, he took me into education. And I sold my business to Herf Jones, a hundred-year-old manufacturer of class rings and yearbooks. <laughs> so I'm in a hundred-year-old manufacturer in the education space is where I made my most money and had my greatest. <laughs> so I got I to gotta give credit where credit is due. And I've got a thousand other examples of stories that are real. They're not just feel good. Um, happy to share with others on the fence or maybe curious. Um, and then, you know, I also would say that my parents, I've already mentioned, have been great influences. You know, I've learned a lot, even through the struggles with both of my business partners, Kevin Nance West, a great artist and a friend. And we had some challenges and wars together, both as college basketball teammates and as business partners. And then my my, my partner in crime right now, Patrick Poor, we've been through COVID shutting schools down for a year. And that's when we just raised $1.5 and said, let's serve just schools. <laughs> And we've been through, you know, a challenge with a first client and not the client itself, but a partner we brought in and in, in Michigan. And then we've had inflation and costs spike up 30% on construction side. Yeah. And every one of those challenges, my man and I have been through it with God and lots of friends and family. My so 
I'd say those would probably be some people I'd give credit to. And I, I've got so many people I can go beyond that, but yeah, you know, those would be some of the first people I would, I would mention and thank. Kelly, I love your boldness in speaking about Christ and how he's impacted your life. So um, uh, clearly you are following a call that he gave you. And I just want to applaud you for, for uh, following through on that and, you know, putting yourself out there and, not being apologetic about who you are and why you are the way you are. So congratulations, Ben. I, I appreciate it. You know, I know I got to do my part, but I, I, you know, I give all that credit upstairs, my friend. And, uh, you know, there's some quotes out there you can read on LinkedIn and other places where it says, you know, the right time for the truth is, is you just, it's the, it's the, it's just always at the right time. Like when, it, you know, you're asked about the truth, you got to share the truth. And, and when you, when you've experienced it and seen it, because you've been open and vulnerable. I had to change a lot about my life. <laughs> a lot of people sometimes give Christians a bad rap too, right? Because Christians sin and make mistakes all the time. That's, that's, it's a continual journey. It's not a, I commit and then I'm perfect. And I've had to go through a lot of suffering and struggle to get to this point and to be able to be confident to share it. And uh, I give all my praise and glory upstairs. And I appreciate you acknowledging that Tim. There's definitely a, a difference between somebody who is humble right? Like yourself and giving the glory where it belongs and, and those who aren't humble, right? And, and kind of pound their chests about their beliefs. And so um, I, I, I believe that folks are going to listen to this and they're going to hear the right message because you're delivering it in a, in a Christ-like way, as opposed to some of the other ways messages get ah. delivered out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and since we're on this topic, I, we don't share, we don't, we've strategically not wanted to push our business as like a faith-based business, but internally we call it, we're building a kingdom business, you know, and, and it's not for everyone. It's not for every client. It's not for every school. And it's not right. for, it's not for every, it's not for every business partner out there, but it, for the right people in the right time in the right place, it'll, it'll be for them. And you know, why I also have to share is because God has put me in detention since I'm in the education space. Like <laughs> put, I have, even after some of these transformational activities, I've been put in detention and I just get tired of going to detention. It's like, if I'm going to get my lumps, I want to at least know I'm doing it the right way. Right. Because when I don't, I just, oh, Amen. I don't go to right. It's like the, the pig story you knew doing that that there was a big probability of you getting in trouble but you know you made a calculated decision to do it anyway but right if we right <laughs> <laughs> we were well researched and prepared you know? <laughs> so last question here kelly um jim Rohn. he's one of my favorite quotes is we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with so as you think about that quote what advice do you have for business owners or entrepreneurs who have this feeling that they've got to do it on their own and that they can't ask for help and that it's something bad if they if they don't have it all together and can't figure it out by themselves? Mm. Oof. Well, <laughs> so, you know, as you can tell, I'm enthusiastic about the things I care about and I like I like to share them in detail. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I will say this, Tim. There's, there's two, for me, there's two parts of that, two sides of that uh, coin. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, to summarize it, I would say, first off, if you're an entrepreneur, even if you're not alone, there's going to be times where you feel alone. Mm. And therefore, you're not alone. 
I love it. I am not trying to be a philosopher. That is not my God-given skill set. Okay. But, but I mean, you know, it, it is, it is, it is so true. Like in this business, I've done it in every business. And honestly, I think it's why you finally get to the point where you know how to get past the points where most people quit a year or two or three in. Right. I'm not going to share all of our dirty laundry yet because we're still going through it, but we've had clients know we've almost been down and out a few times at SunFund mm-hmm. and, um, you know, over the years. And, um, and uh, I think, you know, Grant, uh, Grant Cordone or somebody, the real estate guru, or somebody shared a quote where like, the only people who fail, you know, are the ones that quit, mm-hmm. you know, and because inevitably you can run out of money or you can have a thing not work out. But if you let that identify who you are, if your identity is wrapped up in being that entrepreneur, which by the way, mine used to be, that's one of many things in my transformation that it's been worked on. But if your identity is wrapped up in, in, in your business or businesses or your other, whatever your vices are, you will never be totally fulfilled. You'll never be totally happy. And frankly, you'll never be really successful at work, even if you become a multimillionaire, let's say. I would I would say that, you know, uh, any advice I could give then to kind of on, on this one side of the coin, wrapping all that up is to say that you're 100% not alone. Mm-hmm. For men, what I applaud about women, they seem to be a lot more open and empathetic generally. Yeah. I'm not just, I don't want to stereotype. I'm saying you can look up data, right? If I had a cool drop down <laughs> data sheet right now, that would help me. But in the, in the, in all of the Catholic, and I go to the, these different men's groups and formation groups I've been through and led through my, my uh, faith. And it's always true when men open up and go through it, they receive the Lord or they receive the message and advice about whatever it is about their marriage or from another man, not even just on the spiritual sense. So I think that, you know, you as an entrepreneur need to know, I'm telling you a hundred percent from multiple times over. And every time I go through a new early stage venture from idea to growth, it is always the same. There's times where you feel alone. There's times where you're carrying the risk and the payroll and all of these other things. And you are not alone and it's never as bad as you think it is. Mm. And when you really make it, it's never as great as you think it is. (laughs) You know? And so you really need to make sure that you surround yourself with really great, good people that can, pour into you and uplift you and also that aren't just like you. Mm. And that's what I would say the flip side of the coin is. One of the things I identified early on was a lot of people when I started out were my buddies. Mm. We, in my past life, before I shed some of my past, we like to go out and socialize on the weekends or we like to go out, trying to be diplomatic here, Tim. (laughs) You know, we'd like to go out and socialize on the weekends or we'd like to go out you know, and play golf or seek pleasure, fish all the time, whatever the things are. And it wasn't until I realized that I could be friends with them. And there's a time and place for that. But I was always right in the mix, if not the ringleader. And I stopped going out Mm. and I locked myself Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm working on a business plan for two months. And I started not just networking to network. I started seeking out people been there and done that, that were better than me that had proven it. Mm. And I started getting people high i can name a bunch of I get high profile people that if i name some of them probably most people on here would recognize at least from indiana and they would meet with me because i asked mm-hmm. and i would keep asking and i would just learn like in a sponge and absorb and it challenged me and it pushed me and it encouraged me to think differently and to operate differently and to grow differently and i think those two things 
have definitely been a part of 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 the foundation or one of my main pillars yeah. on the business side and grow my business acumen that's helped me to see challenges and risks sooner and you know overcome adversity faster that's great there i love what you're saying because there's uh, there's this fear i i believe in business owners to not ask up right meaning hey that person's pro must be too busy or too successful or too whatever to to give me a few minutes and um and so most people don't even ask but everyone that i've had on the show that has has talked about a topic like that has said uh, a resounding every time i've asked they've said yes they've carved out time for me oh yeah i think it goes back to the pay it forward idea right because they all remember a time when somebody did it for them and they're going to do it for the person that asked them oh i mean unbelievable like i remember meeting jeff belskis i don't know if you know that name he used to run the holman company and speedway and yeah. indy 11 and i don't want to put him too much out there but I'm sitting behind him at the Pacers game and I didn't even know who he and Mark Miles were at the time. How embarrassing is that? <laughs> and I leaned between Jeff and his wife and I said, they're uh, the, they're playing the heat in the playoffs. I said, good God, look at Ray Allen's calf muscles. It's like those things have their own zip code because they were like this big. And they turned around and looked at me. I'll fast forward 10 minutes into a conversation. I get his number. I call him and say, would you like to have a coffee or an adult beverage? He says, sure. We're halfway, we're halfway in. He goes, so, so what do you, I know you're an entrepreneur. What do you build? What do you need? I said, nothing. I, you graduated from Indiana state and we, I thought you looked like Vince Gill. I shouldn't probably say that. <laughs> and your wife thought it was funny and you laughed and now we're here. And I went to Indiana state. He's like, you're not asking me for money. I'm like, no, I just, you're a neat guy. And we have connectivity on some certain levels. And, uh, and that's actually how I got a car out onto the speedway was because of him so you know it's one of those it's one of those great stories where i struck up a friendship happened to meet him in person some i reached out to cold and you know formed a friendship and have stayed in touch to this day and that's amazing you know it's just asking for well help or questions or connections and you know it's just been blessed yeah and the worst thing that can happen is someone says oh no sorry i'm busy who cares then right <laughs> well yeah but that's not who's in your path, right? It's the right. old, it's the old adage, or depending on what you believe, you know, shake the dust off your sandals and move on to the next city, <laughs> amigo. You know, Amen, Kelly. You, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have helped you along in your journey. If they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? Mm. For anybody watching this that I haven't mentioned, I would say that. Through the, through the good times and the bad, through the fire, the trials and tribulations, if you were put in my life, uh, you have no idea what an impact you've had on, on me and probably countless other people, whether directly or indirectly. I love you for it. I thank you for it. Uh, God bless you for it. And, uh, you know, no matter where we are in our relationship or, or what has transpired, I hope that you've picked up something from him and through me and uh, it's helped you to be a little bit better at whatever it is you're doing and a little stronger and fighting the good fight, you know, as we, as we seek eternity. So I would just say thank you. And I love you. Awesome. Kelly, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Tim, my pleasure. To Keep everyone. it going. Love what, love what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone who's tuned in. Thanks for listening to the self-made is a myth show with your host coach, Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and, 
uh, sharing it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to bemadtogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward and I'll see you all next time. Take care.